Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. At all types of shows, that's really what I love about GameTime. You can find obviously sports tickets, concert tickets, theater tickets, really anything you're looking for that requires a ticket to get into an event, you can find it on GameTime. And I absolutely love that, especially this time of year when I am looking for holiday gifts. And GameTime is making that part of my holiday shopping even easier because game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the game time app in the Google play or app store. Click on the, my tickets section of the app, create an account. And then under the billing section, redeem code, the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money. People credit is only available to the first 1000 people who redeem the code. And it expires at the end of the year. December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Hello once again and welcome in to the Advanced Route for the final time of the 2019 season that's right week week 16 excuse me is here and that means we are putting a bow on the advanced route for the year an appropriate time of year to put a bow on things with the holidays now here in full swing i am michael beller joined as i have been every single week going all the way back to july on the advanced route by emory hunt emory We've made it, man, of one full year of the advanced route in the books. Yeah, it's crazy, man, how fast it has come and, you know, gone and uh, first year of this podcast and, and hopefully first of many, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's been it's been a fun season. I've uh, I've really enjoyed getting to work with you and getting to put this podcast together every single week. I think it's truly unique uh, in the fantasy football marketplace to to bring these two divergent ideas or sometimes divergent ideas together uh, and help have them marry up to help people uh, do well in their fantasy leagues. Hopefully, uh, we've been able to do that for you. Uh, it's certainly been a pleasure for us to bring you uh, this show every single week. And we've got one more for you. And guess what? We're not going to leave you in the advanced route with a you know week 16 wrap up or, or looking ahead to week 16. No, no, no. If you're at this point, you know what you're doing. You're in your fantasy football championship. You've got here uh, by your own smarts largely. You know what you're doing for week 16. We're going to look ahead to 2020 by looking back at 2019 on this episode of the advanced route. First, our usual housekeeping issues or uh, uh, notes. You can find Emery on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. You can find me on Twitter at M Beller uh, still have our 40% off deal. It's going at least through the end of the year. So make sure you hit that up theathletic.com slash the advanced route, 40% off an annual subscription to the athletic. It certainly does make a great holiday gift. If I do say so myself, and if you're out there taking advantage of that uh, offer, that means you're listening in the free universe. So please do rate review and subscribe uh, to uh, this podcast. Obviously, this is our last one, but uh, hey, we won't we'll, we uh, won't be gone forever. So, will you subscribe now? When you know, come August, that first episode of the Advanced Route 2020 comes your way. Boom! It'll be right there for you. You won't even have to think twice about it. So, we really do appreciate you uh, making the effort to do that, uh, Emery. Let's talk about looking ahead to 2020. And the way I want to do that is this. Obviously, every single season has its share of breakout players. Some we you know, maybe saw coming a little bit. Maybe someone or a handful of people saw really coming. Uh, and a handful of uh, guys who no one saw coming. So we're going to talk about those guys 
and see if there's any traits or anything that we can learn from them that will help us better predict who might break out in 2020. So I've got a list of guys here uh, that we're going to talk about. The guys that we're in, that we're, I'm just going to put them all out there. I think it's the easiest way to do it. Guys who, you know, I just sort of combed through and found um, as breakout players this season. Austin Eckler, Chris Godwin, DJ Chark, DJ Moore, Darren Waller, Jameis Winston, and then of course the unicorn, Lamar Jackson. Um, we're going to use those guys as our lens to talk about breakout players and the potential for breakout players in 2020. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a, an obvious jumping off point. I guess the one I want to start with, um, if we're going to talk about any specific player and let him be the the way we start this, is with Austin Eckler. Because the way the NFL is going, uh, you are finding pass-catching backs be just huge weapons, uh, both for real-life teams and for fantasy teams. And that's obviously where Eckler made his money this season. 119 carries, 500 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, solid numbers. But as a receiver, 78 catches, 892 yards, eight touchdowns, I mean, Emery, those are those are elite wide receiver numbers that we've seen out of Austin Eckler this season. Uh, so I guess we could start there. Uh, how did Austin Eckler do it? How did he how did he do what we saw him do this season? I think a lot of it has to do with opportunity and also scheme. We saw Melvin Gordon sit out for what five games of the yeah, year, something like that, five or six, something like that. So that opportunity was there. Plus, the offense utilizes the backs in the passing game a lot. Uh, so I think that played a big role in what he can do or what he did this year. Because if you look at a team like New Orleans and what everybody expected Alvin Kamara to be, uh, you know, he wasn't that. Austin Eckler was what they thought Kamara was going to be. Because, again, opportunity and also uh, scheme. Now, Sean Payton's scheme and opportunity was supposed to be there, but it just didn't materialize because they decided to do other things. Uh, Drew Brees missed a couple of games. Teddy Bridgewater, you know, came in and took over. So you don't know if that played a role in not using Kamara in the passing game as often as we would like, or because they lost Mark Ingram to free agency, that took away the Kamara effect of him being the the number two guy and coming in and you have to really account for Ingram and Kamara. So when you don't have to worry about running back one, it's easy to game plan for running back two. But in Eckler's case, he had a nice long six week stretch where we know they want they wanted to run the football, but they couldn't because of Melvin Gordon's holdout. So they relied more on the short passing game to be a, a complement or a supplement for their running game, which opened up a door for a guy like Austin Eckler to be consistent throughout the fantasy football fantasy football season. So I think people have to be uh leery of looking at one guy's situation and thinking that's the prototype because that's other if that was the case, we would have seen guys like Naheem Hines be just like Austin Eckler, we would have saw Alvin Kamara be that as well. We would have saw Duke Johnson probably come through and be what we expected Duke Johnson to be for since he'd been in the league. We would have thought Chris Thompson would have been that guy. So I think every case is individual. And for Austin Eckler's case, it's the perfect storm of both opportunity and also scheme. All right, so I'm going to just get off script right away uh, because you said something in there that really interested me. Uh, it, it still is for 2020, not getting off script like that, but you mentioned – Mark Ingram leaving New Orleans, and maybe that had a domino effect that worked against Austin Eckler, or worked against uh, Alvin Kamara. Obviously, we expect Melvin Gordon to be playing his football elsewhere next season. Should we be concerned about the same effect on Austin Eckler? I don't think so because their offenses run differently. Um, and to be honest, Eckler probably is more along the lines of, of the receiver type as opposed to Kamara. Kamara, they still want to use in the run game. Eckler is, has become essentially 
the standard quote-unquote third down back type. You don't see him utilized often in a run game like you see Alvin Kamara utilized in a run game. So I don't think if they lose Gordon, it would change what his role is specifically within that offense. Um, and, and then so when using uh, Eckler's, Eckler's breakout 2019 season as a lens to 2020, is there anything in his experience this year that could lead us to someone? You don't need to call someone out right now. You know, it could be a rookie. It could be uh, someone who changes teams and finds themselves in a better uh, spot. But is there anything that we got from what he did in 2019 that we could use and say, hey, you know, Eckler was in a similar situation last year. Now running back X is in this situation in 2020. Maybe he can have a similar season. Well, there are teams to watch. Um, you, you always want to watch Kansas City. You may even want to watch uh, Arizona, you know, with Chase Edmonds and how they utilize him and Drake together. You also may want to watch, a, a, you know, a team like Miami who could be in the market for a tailback. Denver could be in the market, uh, you know, for uh, not in the market for a topic, but how they utilize their backs. So there's situations you can keep an eye on. But again, that particular situation is tailor made for Austin Eckler to do Austin Eckler things. Yeah, it's just, I mean, crazy again, 78 catches, 892 yards and, and eight touchdowns. I mean, I mean there's a chance he's going to have a thousand yard receiving season. It's wild. It's crazy what he's been able to do this year. Yeah, it's been crazy. He's been excellent. But again, you also have a situation where, they had some injuries at receiver, so they really want to probably lean on the short passing game as well. So it was a, a perfect storm for Austin Eckler to thrive, in my opinion. Yeah, and you had the uh, the Hunter Henry injury as well for, what was that, like the first like six, seven weeks of the season. He played week one, got hurt, and missed like six or seven games. So that, too, playing to Eckler's strengths and uh, something that uh, definitely benefited him this season. Um, I've got three receivers here. I guess we can group them all together. Uh, Chris Godwin, DJ Chark, DJ Moore. You know, the nice thing about these three guys, I'm actually just coming to this realization now, Emery, as I uh, as I list their names, is that they were at um, you know, sort of every gradation of breakout potential if we rewind to August. Everyone was on Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was everyone's favorite breakout receiver. He did not disappoint. DJ Moore was a step down from that. Uh, a lot of people uh, thought he could break out, but he was more of a you know, seventh round pick. You know, Chris Godwin was going in the fourth, fifth round of fantasy drafts. DJ Moore was going a step behind that. Then you've got DJ Chark, who really wasn't much on the fantasy football radar coming into the season. He popped right on it uh, right away with that uh, uh, big touchdown he had from Nick Foles in week one and you know, hasn't looked back since and had himself a big season. But we basically had, you know, it's almost like a uh, – like a, uh, a Goldilocks situation where we've got, uh, you know, like too hot, too cold, right in the middle, right? Just right. And uh, uh, that's where we have these three wide receivers. Uh, so looking at just the wide receiver position as a whole, is there anything that ties these, these three guys together that we could use to predict 2020 breakouts? Um, I don't think tie ties them together because each situation is different. I think for Godwin, for instance, Winston is a volume thrower, so they're going to throw the football a lot. He just was a direct beneficiary of the wide receiver two role in that offense. Uh, Chark was probably the one of the only true healthy ones they had initially. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, I think he dealt with some injuries um, or inconsistencies or what have you, but Chark was, seemed to be the, the one guy that hit the ground running and more dealt with the fact that the quarterback situation was in flux a lot of the season. So, you know, you really 
can't look at okay this they did this particularly well so you look at next year if maybe if that was the case if just to use that example um i will probably be more high on the redskins receivers mclaurin uh, Harmon, sims going into 2020 with the wayne haskins regardless of the scheme that'll be in place when they take the field with the new head coach and new oc because at least he has gotten the chemistry down with those three receivers. So moving forward, I think that passing situation would improve where they could have some success. Um, some unforeseen success would be running back or even tight end if they draft one or sign one because that's another big hole that they need. So I would probably look at these situations and think, okay, the Redskins should be in good shape next year because of Haskins already building that rapport with those receivers in the game in actual game time situations. It wouldn't be the uh, last episode of the advanced route if we didn't say something about talent ultimately winning out. How much of that is at play when you look at what Godwin, Moore, and Chark did this year? Yeah, Moore and, and Godwin are talented. Uh, Chark is a talented player who was inconsistent as a rookie, and this year he, he looked to be better. Um, but you don't know where he's going to continue to trek forward. I think Godwin is, is more entrenched as the – a solid, consistent wide receiver, too, within that offense and should be consistent throughout the time his, he's there in Tampa. And I think they'll re-sign Jameis, so his production should be steady, um, just like we saw it this year. Moore is the wild card because you don't really know uh, who's going to play quarterback. You hope it's Cam Newton, um, a healthy Cam Newton. But Moore has talent. Chark, is, I think, is the one I would probably stay away from for 2020. Godwin should be one of the more consistent ones, should be in the – you know, the, the high second round picks if you're looking at receivers early. You know, I, I had this conversation um, with with Nando uh, offline, with Nando DeFino, um, a little earlier this week about DJ Moore. We were talking about him and uh, arguing about his 2020 value a little bit uh, because I, I think DJ Moore is going to be um, a highly drafted player in fantasy football leagues, uh, you know, as he should be after the, the year he had as his second year. He's just going to be 23 years old at the start of the 2020 season, a big product coming out of Maryland, a first round pick. Uh, and I feel like he should be you know, considered a you know a top two round pick, like a, a top 25, 24 overall pick in fantasy drafts next year. And he brought up the quarterback situation. Uh, and this year really was basically Kyle Allen, right? It was a banged up Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. That was that was the quarterback situation he had this season. And he goes into week 16 with 86 catches, uh, 1,174 yards, and four touchdowns, the wide receiver nine in half PPR leagues. Uh, is there any learned experience from DJ Moore for other receivers when we consider dodgy quarterback situations like how much should we put how much stock should we put into the quarterback when we are evaluating wide receiver talent if we think that wide receiver is a huge talent well it all a lot of this just depends man because honestly if you would ask me i would have probably been high on mclaurin and, and Harmon, just because I, I would have expected haskins to start week one because all of those guys are talented but that didn't happen um but you also look at the Giants situation where you have Daniel Jones and great chemistry with Darius Slayton, who has come on, and he has gotten better each and every uh, week. He was not that good in rookie minicamp or minicamp. Then with every passing you know, practice or training camp or preseason game, you saw him get a little bit better, and we saw that chemistry between Jones and Slayton in the preseason, and it has carried over to the regular season. So to be honest, a lot of it just – <laughs> it, it it just yeah. depends it's hard to predict 
and uh, guesstimate and speculate uh, right now. That's totally fair. I mean, that, that is totally fair, and that's I mean, that's why that's why part of the reason why we love this game, both from the real life and the fantasy perspective. Uh, best laid plans don't necessarily always come true, and the uh, seemingly worst laid plans sometimes can work out. Uh, there's you, you can't always predict, um, you know, growth. You can't always predict um, where a guy is going to get better and what sort of trickle down effect that is going to have. On the rest of his team, DJ Moore was certainly able to thrive even with Kyle Allen, the backup quarterback, uh, being the starter for uh, nearly the entire season in Carolina. I would say that he and Godwin were both building to this moment. Uh, obviously, you know, Moore had only been in the season one year, so how much building did he do? But, you know, again, a first-round pick, highly touted coming out of Maryland. Chris Godwin had a very nice 2018 season that portended of great things to come. DJ Chark and really just an athlete, right, but didn't do much in his rookie season, and then we see him explode this year. You already mentioned the fact that you know, health had something to do with it or the lack of health for some of the other receivers on that team, but do you see anything in DJ Chark's you know, profile or what he did this year that might point us in the direction of a wide receiver who could come out of nowhere uh, next season? You know, I look at him, I look at you know, 2018 Tyler Boyd was a guy who did who had pulled a similar act where he wasn't even drafted in most fantasy leagues and then boom right from the get-go uh, was a wide receiver too is there anything that you see in, in those guys that maybe could help us find that guy in 2020 you just gotta look at the individual talent man and it's and it's hard to explain you know because I may look at the game differently than someone else that's how I told people about Lamar Jackson and nobody saw it you know and but it's hard to explain it, um, and I I don't want to keep saying, you know, it's all about talent. You just got to be able to identify it because people don't know what that means. You know, people would try to – people are trying to quantify everything uh, with regards to analytics and fantasy football. It's like, well, what numbers can tell us, can help us predict who's going to be? But a lot of times, man, it's like that's – I try to tell people about David Montgomery, and they didn't see it, you know, like without calling the guy uh, – an average back, you know, people are listening to everyone else, you know, give them the information that they want to hear. And, you know, you as the, the outlier sitting there saying, well, the talent just doesn't match up to what these people are saying. But if 40 people are saying it and you're the only one that's not saying it, you look like the eyeball. So it, but when you're right, it's like, oh, how can you predict, you know, who else is going to put a lot of times you just, it, it's hard to do. So I could, I can only say, honestly, just, uh, you know, you got to trust the talent and sometimes the situation too, man. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, like clearly Tariq Cohen is the more talented back on that roster. Clearly the situation doesn't suit him being utilized to his full potential. You put Tariq Cohen in New Orleans and you have someone that's producing ridiculous fantasy numbers. You put Tariq Cohen in Chicago, you have a guy that's, a, you know, the most elusive running back on the roster being utilized as a slot receiver. So – you, you never really know. We do talk about it a lot in the fantasy world. It's a talent, opportunity, and situation. Uh, you know, the holy trinity of of fantasy football production. And, uh, you know, we, we see it work for players. We see it work against players. And when you get all three in place, it really uh, can uh, turn into things of beauty. And we saw that with, uh, with a lot of the guys uh, that we're talking about here. Austin Eckler is the one, uh, to me, that really does jump out when we talk about those three things all coming together in a perfect storm situation, as you said, when we were talking um, about Eckler, I guess for Chark, the, uh, the, the, the 
the the moral of the story and the lesson to take away is um, when you're when it's the end game of your fantasy draft, uh, right? Look for uh, super athletes who are going to be potentially growing into larger roles in their offenses. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see moving forward how how it plays out. Yeah, especially with the uh, quarterback situation there in Jacksonville. But I'm sure there will be a, uh, a next year's DJ Chark, just like back uh, a year ago at this time. We knew there was going to be a next year's Tyler Boyd. Just didn't necessarily know who it was going to be. Uh, it turned out to be Chark. We'll see who fills that role in 2020. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, being right, and you don't necessarily always want to uh, pat yourself on the back too hard. But you've been right quite a bit, Emery, this season. Uh, none more so than you were on Lamar Jackson. Now, we're not going to talk about Lamar Jackson like he's any other quarterback because there is no one in the league like him. He's a true unicorn, a one of a kind. Even if teams wanted to make their quarterback into Lamar Jackson, you can't do it because he is a one of a kind player. So instead of talking about Lamar, the quarterback, and you know what this could suggest about other quarterbacks, let's talk about those one of a kind players. How do we spot them? Is there a way to spot them? Is it so obvious that we should not even be having to ask this question? It is so obvious because Lamar Jackson was obvious. I think that's the, um, I think that's the biggest key. And you know, as much as the league and the media and everyone is over loving Lamar right now, they're about to make the same mistake this draft class with Jalen Hurts, and they're about to not talk about him, not draft him high, not put try to put him in a position for success. But that's the one player that can help an offense do Lamar-like things. Um, and I think a lot of people just have to be open-minded and honest with themselves. But they're not ready to have that conversation because nothing on on tape, whether you're just watching the game as a lay person or if you're studying it from a scouting perspective, nothing on tape is telling you that Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason, Jordan Love, uh, Jake Fromm, None of those quarterbacks. In, Joe Burrow? In, well, Burrow and Hurts are the ones I'm talking about. They're the only okay. ones that you should look at with first-round eyes. Everyone else, watching them play, the layperson would be like, you know, you know, he's okay. But the other guys you watch, you like, you know, that right there is the guy I want. And so when you're – we always use the saying on football at football game plan, if you're doing it, you can do it, which is why we're right on to Rick Cohen – right on Lamar Jackson, right on Deshaun Watson, right on all these other players that people are, are trying to nitpick. Um, but the, the, the talent is obvious. And at the end of the day, someone like Jalen Hurts in Chicago would be perfect for Matt Nagy's offense. Maybe in uh, Los Angeles to replace Phillip Rivers would be perfect in uh, Anthony Lynn's offense. Burrow would thrive in Detroit. Burrow would thrive in Cincinnati. Burrow would thrive um, – as a giant in Sherman's offense, quite honestly. But, you know, that that right there is is the dilemma with a lot of these um, teams. That, you know, everyone says, they you know, Lamar, for instance, I, I was on many radio shows in, uh, during that whole draft process, many in Cleveland because they had the first and fourth pick. And they kept asking me, you know, what would you do with the first and fourth pick in the draft? You were the Browns. I was like, well, number one, I'm taking – uh, Saquon Barkley, and at four, I'm taking Lamar Jackson. And they were like, well, wow, you don't take a running back high, and why would you take Lamar? You you, you sure? You, is he even a, a quarterback in this? Like, I want all the explosiveness in the backfield. The run game will be number one for a decade, and Lamar has the it factor at the position. But no one, 
imagine if the Browns would have done that. <laughs> you know, how explosive that that team would yeah. would have been. Also, imagine if the Giants would have done it and had the foresight to trade back in before Baltimore did to get Lamar Jackson and pair him up with Saquon Barkley. Um, so, I, I just I just think that if people just uh, look at it with an open mind and let just their eyes, the eyes, the eyes will never lie to you. You know, if you see someone that's just <laughs> wowing you, that person is genuinely a good player. So uh, I think teams will make the mistake. Once again, you'll see Burrow go rightfully where he's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you'll see Herbert wrongly, wrongfully go high in the draft. You'll see Easton go in the first round. You'll see love go in the first round. You'll see um, people, you know, talk themselves into an injured tour. It's funny how, People will still talk about drafting Tua in the top five or in the first round, despite his extensive injury history, but still have questions about Lamar's perceived future injury history where he hasn't been injured. So I I just don't understand how people do it, which is why you probably want to continue to listen to advanced route because we're going to be advanced enough to tell you where, you know, where stuff is right, what's wrong, what's true, what's fake, what's false. Um, And you just going to look like a genius in your fantasy leagues. Yeah, I like that. I like that uh, saying you threw out there. If you can, if you're, if you're doing it, you can do it. That's what you said, right? Yeah, because people. What, what? Here's the part that they used to just really get on my nerves, because um, people was saying about uh, Tariq Cohen uh, at North Carolina A&T. Well, you know, can he do it against the NFL? Can he do it? Like one thing that translates is speed, elusiveness, and the you know uh, explosiveness. That doesn't matter where you're playing at Nebraska or Nebraska Wesleyan. If you got those three traits, you're going to be able to do it. And if you're doing it consistently, obviously you know how to use your skills to your advantage. Same with Deshaun Watson. While he's doing those, he's making those throws, but you know, can he make those throws in an NFL window? Because uh, the radar gun he's throwing at 53 miles an hour, which is below standard or 49 miles, whatever the number was, they said it was below NFL standards. Like, man, you just watched him do it against Alabama two years in a row. What are you talking about? You just said you just said Alabama is the 33rd NFL team. You just watched this dude two years in a row kill the 33rd NFL team. Now you're questioning whether or not this dude can play at the next level. Like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, I'd, you know. Yeah. So if you're doing it, you're doing it. When I uh, was when I was you know trying to. Um, you know, obviously I did a lot of, uh, back then I do a lot of, uh, I'm in Chicago and I do a lot of, uh, radio stuff myself locally. And when I was building up Watson as, um, as a guy, as the guy that they should be looking at, um, yeah, I, I mentioned Alabama and have the fact that, I mean, eight of those dudes, eight of those dudes were first and second round picks on Alabama's defense in the NFL. Eight. Eight. That's ridiculous. And then, and then Watson carved them up back to back years. Yeah, we're sitting here wondering for dude who threw forty nine miles an hour on his mythical radar gun <laughs> can produce at the NFL level. People are people are a dumb man. Like, and people will fight tooth and nail to defend a, a dumb point. And we see this all the time on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are still trying to find a way to say Lamar can't play, which is just so bizarre, man. It's just you know. Yeah, well, he's I don't he's about to be a unanimous MVP, so I think he's putting that argument to bed, uh, at least hopefully with the. Uh... But is it sustainable though? Is it <laughs> is his is his? What about the? This is my other favorite argument when people say like, uh, well, you know, if you give a defensive coordinator a full offseason, you know, they'll they'll study this offense. Like, yeah, so you're just saying that the Ravens will just rest on their laurels and not 
study how teams are game planning against them during the season to, to adjust and change? You think you're just going to keep all the same plays, all the same formations, it, the exact same way? You don't think they will not have a draft? They will just keep the same team intact and just go into 2020 with the same team, same scheme, same offensive plays and everything. Do people really listen to themselves when they <laughs> say dumb stuff like that? I don't think so. At least I hope not. They're, yeah, the Ravens are going to be the one team out of 32 that makes zero adjustments. In the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My God. Uh, we got a, we got a few more guys who I want to talk about here. Um, yeah, one of them is the non-unicorn quarterback, and that is uh, and that's Jameis Winston. Hey, man, uh, we don't really care about interceptions too much in the fantasy world. Jameis has got twenty-four of them. He's also got a uh, league leading forty-five hundred seventy-three yards and thirty touchdowns. QB two, uh, Emory QB two in fantasy leagues and standard scoring four-point passing touchdown leagues is where Jameis sits right now. Um, is, is there a lesson here? Is there anything to be learned from Jameis? Because, right, I mean, this is his fifth year. We thought we knew who Jameis was, a guy who was always going to get in his way too much. Now, clearly he's still gotten his way a lot this season, but nowhere near too much to still be a fantasy star. Is there anything we can take forward from that into 2020? Um, it's, it shows the importance of – having a coach that believes in you, even if you're making mistakes. And that's what Bruce Arians has shown in Jameis Winston. I love the stat that people put up with comparing his first five years with, with Peyton Manning's first five years. Numbers are identical. And then Peyton Manning turned that corner. Here's the difference between Peyton Manning's first five years and James's first five years. Peyton Manning had Marshall Falk and Edron James. Jameis Winston didn't have the running game. If they are able to find a consistent back in the backfield that they can trust, Winston won't have to throw the football as much as he does, which means the turnover number will come down. He'll become much more efficient. The touchdown numbers will will continue to stay steady or go up, and his effectiveness will will, will start to turn the corner. So I think first and foremost, they got to find a game break in the backfield, and Winston is going to give his receivers a chance because he has the confidence. You need that. He's not. He just threw an interception on the first series of the game. Seems like every game, and then he comes right back and still is not gun shy. You need that. And you also need the coach to, to really stand behind you and not cow toe to uh, media pressure. And that's exactly what's going on in Tampa. You know, not exactly what we're talking about, but uh, Jonathan Taylor would look awfully good in Tampa. Awfully good. <laughs> and him or uh, Swift would yeah. look great in Tampa. Yeah, definitely. Or, I mean, I'd love to see one of those guys go to Houston too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They Another place that needs a tailback yeah. or Miami. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, you give you put one of those guys you put I mean, you know, the Badger in me wants to put Jonathan Taylor in Tampa. There are already so many Badgers there with a good Bawale and uh, Jack Sitchie and Dakota Dixon. There's already plenty of Badgers there. Throw one more, throw Jonathan Taylor into that offense. You got him, Jameis, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait. Man, that could be an offense right there. Yeah, I mean, they have everything that you need to be an explosive offense except the back, man. They get the back. That's a wrap. Yeah, so the coaching, uh, you know, I, I assume that's where you were going to go on Jameis. Uh, obviously, Bruce Arians has made a huge difference for him. Um, to me, when, you, when, when, when we think about guys like this, the one, you know, I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, if this guy in 2019, then this guy in 2020. But the one who jumps out at me, uh, who has had some turnover issues, who's got a lot of talent around him, who's not gun shy and who could benefit from a coaching change is Baker Mayfield. Or Mayfield just had, I think I said this on this show. Um, or maybe it was <laughs> it one again. of our shows with, yeah, right. It was, I think it was either this show or the show with uh, Jake Seeley. I was a guest on his show. But um, I said 
Mayfield, what we saw from him as a rookie is what we're going to see from him. I think people uh, got enamored with the touchdown number, and that was the whole detraction uh, of everybody. It's like, because no one wants to talk about Lamar Jackson actually winning games and then getting the uh, team to win the division mm-hmm. and then getting them into the playoffs. They kept saying, well, Baker broke Peyton Manning's rookie record. Like, yeah, he threw a bunch of touchdowns against bad teams, but the team still lost. When they needed him to, to play his best, uh, you know, to, to have a winning record or non-losing season, that last game against Baltimore, he got outplayed by Lamar Jackson. He threw two yeah. interceptions in that game, including a game-clinching loss, you know, game-clinching one um, to Mosley. And I was like, you know, Baker is going to throw the same amount of interceptions, and he's going to, you know, the touchdowns are probably going to stay the same, but the interceptions are going to be up there. And lo and behold, here we are right here. He has, what, 17 interceptions and 17 touchdowns, something like that, Mm -hmm. or 18 touchdowns. So Mayfield is who he is. He's maxed out. Remember, he played all five years Mm -hmm. in college. So he's maxed out as a player. You just hope that the touchdown numbers get back up. And one would have thought, myself included, when you have an offense that features Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, at the time before all the -the off-the-field stuff, Antonio Callaway, his other favorite target in Rashad Higgins, uh, along with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and you thought they were going to average 35 points a game. Um, But Mayfield couldn't stop throwing interceptions, so – uh, and there's some other issues there. But I think Mayfield is who he is. But I do think he can have a, a – you know, what's Eli Manning – what was Eli Manning at his peak, his fantasy, uh, you know, yeah. numbers? Was he like a top 10 quarterback or a top – Yeah, he was, a, he, was a, he was a relatively consistent top 10 guy. I mean, he had his peaks and valleys, of course, but uh, his best years had him in the top 10 and the top 5. I think that's Baker Mayfield's ceiling. I think you're going to see a consistent 27-14 type passer, um, you know, touchdowns, interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's what you can expect from Baker. I don't think you're ever going to see the Matt Ryan, you know, level numbers um, where he's going to throw, you know, 35 touchdowns, nine interceptions consistently. He won't have those Aaron Rodgers numbers. He won't have those type of numbers. Um, but 27, he's, I don't even want to say Phillip Rivers. I think you can also probably look at him maybe like around a Ben Roethlisberger type numbers. Um, if that, if that's like top 10, I know Roethlisberger is pretty high in fantasy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And Roethlisberger is another guy like Baker who had some pretty great weapons around him his whole time. Right. So I think Baker, there's still production hope there for Baker because the team is just too talented. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, could be seeing a coaching change, although that's something that will be decided in the next couple of weeks. Uh, one more guy who I want to hit on, and we can get through him relatively quickly because I think he fits in with the receivers. Uh, but we'd be remiss if we were talking about 2019 breakout uh, guys who came out of nowhere and didn't at least mention Darren Waller, who goes into week 16 as the number three fantasy tight end, 80 catches, uh, three touchdowns on the season. The guy uh, could break 1,000 yards. It's been a remarkable season uh, for Darren Waller. Uh, obviously, he dealt with um, some off the field issues uh, earlier in his career that helped that prevented him from becoming the sort of player uh, that he could have could have earlier and that he has become this season. Anything in his learned experience that we can apply to twenty twenty? Who utilizes tight ends nowadays? Right, that's the biggest mm-hmm. um, question mark. You look at some of the offenses that that tend to thrive with the tight end position. Uh, Oakland, we now know, utilizes Waller like like that. Uh, San Francisco, um, 
San Diego, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, the Chargers. <laughs> uh, you also look at Baltimore. You know, to, you know, Buffalo could be a potential option. The way Knox has the potential to be a guy like that. Uh, New Orleans at one point in time used to rely heavily on the tight ends when they had Graham. So I think that position and projecting who could be the next Waller all depends on which teams you like utilizing tight ends, you know? Is it is it that is it is this like a chicken or egg discussion? Do teams utilize tight ends or do they utilize tight ends because they have Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz or George Kittle? Well, that's a good way to put it. And I think it's possible. You could also you could look at a team um like Green Bay as a, as a test study. You know, the, you have Jimmy Graham. You have a guy in Robert Tanyan who's solid, who's a really good flex tight end. But you also have Jay Sternberger, who you drafted, that's now starting to get playing time as well. Um, so you have three legit good tight ends, right? But you don't see them use their tight ends heavy, even though they, the talent is there. Um, so even if you have the Darren Waller type, if, you're, if Darren Waller was in Green Bay, he probably would be Robert Tanyan or Jay Sternberger or even Jimmy Graham, just kind of like there. Yeah, that would be crazy. I'm happy he's in Oakland then. Right, because <laughs> at the end of the day, you could have the personnel but not use it. We just talked about the Browns. They have the personnel, but for whatever reason, they they find it complicated to get Odell Beckham the ball or find ways to get both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield at the same time consistently. You know, it's just it. a lot of it does depend on coaching and situation. You know, Emery, uh, pinning down uh, breakouts, uh, you know, I already thought this coming into this uh, this episode, but uh, uh, pinning down breakouts it drives home even more that it is an inexact science. Uh, one thing I do know is that uh, I think the advanced route is among the breakout podcasts of 2019, and that's going to do it for us, not just for this week, but for this season on the advanced route. Uh, again, Emery, I just want to say to you, thank you for everything you've done for this show uh, this season. It's been awesome to work with you. It's been great to uh, expand my own football knowledge by getting to have these you know, half-hour, 45-minute conversations with you every single week. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, you've done all the heavy lifting on this show, I am uh, not ashamed to say, and it's just been great, man. So thank you. It's been a great year. I appreciate you, man. You've been awesome. Uh, I've just been, you know, a co-pilot on this, on this show. So glad to be working with you. Hopefully we win that award, take home the trophy and, uh, you know, come into 2020 trying to defend our title. There could be worse places to win an award than be in uh, Las Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and to all you out there listening as well, uh, again, we couldn't have, we couldn't do this without you listening. Uh, we're just speaking into the abyss, probably not going to uh, be able to convince our bosses uh, that it's worthwhile to do. So thank you all out there as well for listening, it's taking 30, 40 minutes out of your week every week and spending it with us, talking football, listening to football, getting smarter about football on the advanced route if you are still playing fantasy football this week then absolutely a big time good luck to you fantasy football championship week this is what it's all about you want to play for this you're in your championship so good luck and hopefully uh, we've been able to be part of what has got you to this point for emory hunt i'm michael beller thanks for listening all year happy holidays let's all go out there and win some fantasy football championships this week it's been the advanced route